God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this second day after Pentecost. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A German soldier once described the invasion of Russia during World War II this way. As the German army advanced deeper and deeper into the steppes of the Ukraine, the seemingly endless, flat, and featureless terrain began to affect them. Began to affect them psychologically. Most young Germans, he said, in the 1940s had rarely ventured far away from home and had never experienced such a bleak place. After several weeks of moving across miles and miles of open plains, seeing nothing but an occasional farm shack, they began to believe there was really nowhere to go and nowhere to go back to. Even with their maps, compasses, and radios, this massive mechanized army of experienced officers and men felt lost and exposed in the vast expanse. And they began to panic and become unhinged. It's hard for us Americans to imagine how this man felt because we have all kinds of terrain in America and most of us have seen it or lived in it. The plains of the Midwest don't affect us much. They may seem boring to some and perhaps if you grew up here in the West and moved out there, after a while the flatness of it you know, might get to you but you're probably not going to become unhinged. Today, you and I embark on a six-month journey across the flat expanse known as the ordinary time of the church. Six months of Pentecost with no feasts or festival days on Sundays. Just ordinary church. Will that affect us psychologically? I don't know. It might. I know I'm already affected by it. I need it. After the frantic peaks and valleys of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, Trinity, I'm looking forward to leading worship that's going to be consistent for a while. I think some of you volunteers may know what I mean. The altar guild doesn't have to change the pyramids until the end of October. Yeah? What a nice break to not have to worry about that for a while. But there's more to this analogy than just the mental image of a flat expanse. The plains are also our breadbasket, which we need for survival. If this whole planet was filled with mountains and deep valleys, it would be difficult for us to harvest food in large amounts to feed whole nations. We'd be hunting for huckleberries and killing each other over the few fish in, that we could pluck out of tiny lakes. No, we need those vast expanses of wheat and crops for nourishment. The season of Pentecost seems flat compared to the mountainous feasts of Christmas and Easter and the deep, dark valleys of Lent and Good Friday. But just as the eye can delight in the endless fields of corn in Iowa and the golden wheat fields in Kansas, so too can you and I find satisfying, nourishing gems in this ordinary time of the church. I encourage you then to not let your hearts become dull or bored in this unchanging terrain or in the unchanging terrain of this journey to the point where you say, ah, I'll go to church next Sunday. Maybe. 
You might miss something. <laughs> something that God has to give you in which might, he might help you through the next week. We have more gospel readings coming from Mark. You'll get to hear Jesus be very human with people and at the same time do wonders with his divine nature. You'll hear him repeatedly refer to himself as the bread of life, which goes perfectly with the endless plains of wheat and nourishment. We'll have readings from 2 Corinthians and Ephesians where you can hear Paul admonish and comfort some of the first Christians as they struggle with identity, oppression, false teachers, and their own sinful behavior. And then the Old Testament readings are from all over. Starting today with Deuteronomy, then we'll hear uh, from some of the prophets and Genesis, Kings, Proverbs, the whole gamut. Take part in as much of it as you can. Because if your summer is already shaping up like mine, you're going to need some consistency and peace amidst uncertainty and franticness. And besides God nourishing us with His Word and sacraments, He also commands us to rest. The disciples in our reading from Mark are dinged by the Pharisees for working on the Sabbath, and so is Jesus. So offensive is His Sabbath breakings that Mark tells us the Pharisees wanted to kill Him. There's a theme of rest running through these readings. Did you, did you catch on that? Did you notice it? I believe that if Jesus were walking the streets of our towns and cities in the flesh, even in the wheat fields of Kansas, not only would he tell us he's the bread of life, he would also command us to take it easy, rest, slow down. You're busying yourselves to the point of physical and spiritual death. We're not keeping our hearts and minds on the things which ought to really occupy us our God, our families, our sin, and our repentance and forgiveness of sin. Most of the time, we're exhausted. We're not getting enough sleep. A colleague of mine says he, he sleeps like those hot dogs you see in 7-Eleven, you know, just perpetually rolling. So we may want to remember a little observed fact about our Lord's suffering. It was a three-day event, remember? On the first day, he fought with Satan and died his brutal and tortuous death, exhausted. The third day, he rises victorious from the grave, looks for his disciples, finds them, and confronts their disbelief. But that second day, the second day, that holy Saturday, he did what? Rested, absolutely. It was a Sabbath day, a day of rest. And an important one, since it fell on the annual Passover feast. It's why the Pharisees rushed the centurions to kill the criminals who were crucified with them. They wanted those guys dead and off the cross in time for the Sabbath. Well, Jesus kept the Sabbath, even in death. He rested on a stone slab in a tomb not far from where he died. You can go there today, or at least uh, you can go to where the tradition says uh, where he died. It's the much-contested Church of the Holy Sepulchre 
in Jerusalem. It's one of the holiest sites in all of Christianity. If that's, exi- if that's where it was, so be it. If not, wherever it was, Jesus rested there. We should ponder more. We should ponder that more this week. Jesus engaged in a perfect rest, a perfect Sabbath, keeping or keeping the Sabbath, Sabbath with, which He gives to us. You know, we can't keep that third commandment perfectly. We can't keep any of the commandments perfectly. We can't rest perfectly, but He did it perfectly for us. In fact, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. It's not something we do for Him. He is the Sabbath for us. And then that may cause one to circle back and say, well, if Jesus is my Sabbath rest, then may it be so in my bed on Sunday mornings as I sleep in till noon or whatever. Maybe so. But you'll get more of Him here. Here is where you hear His word. Here is where you receive His body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins and strength. Here is where you reconnect with others who are in the same boat as you. Here is where we sing and pray together. Here is where we literally stand together proclaiming the day when He will return to raise all people, dead and alive, to bring all believers with Him to the new heavens and the new earth. You can go home and sleep again or rest afterwards. I do sometimes. Martin Luther says it's not the keeping of the Sabbath that makes us Christians. Rather, the Sabbath is given to us for our sake. It provides rest and the opportunity to receive what God has to give to you in His divine service. You know, people ask me every now and then, especially the young adults who get jobs and are required to work on Sunday in order to keep the job, they say, Pastor, I can't come to church anymore because I have to work. What do I do? I say, well, work. <laughs> you know, everyone has to make a living. And if you can't even get Sunday mornings off, well, come as often as you can, whenever you can. Or, We'll work something out where you can receive communion on a regular basis and take part in other things that can feed your faith. And take a day off. You've got to take a day off because you don't want to have a third commandment problem, not for God's sake, but yours. You need a day of rest. And we need this ordinary time of the church too. It's a kind of rest in itself. Sounds bland, but it really isn't. When you consider all God has to give you in this service, there's nothing ordinary about it, really. It's consistent. That's the thing. God is consistent even when we're not. God is faithful even when we're not. God is forgiving even when we're not. God still loves even when we don't. God is generous even when we're not. He's all these things and more for you. So take heart and put on your gear, your armor of God for this months-long journey across the vast expanse. We won't feel lost if we stay together. We won't get psyched out and panic. We know where we're going. We're heading to Advent and beyond. Beyond that, heaven 
with Christ and the Holy Spirit as our guide and helper. Amen.